I meant to tell you, I was <laughs> I sat down. Was it mm-hmm. Wednesday? I was off work. Uh, I was on my loo day, and me and Katie sat down. Uh, we've been watching films online and stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we can't do it in person at the moment. And we put uh, we put Coming to America on, like the sequel. And we got about Ooh. 25 minutes into it, and we're like, no. <laughs> what's, the, um, what's the last good film Eddie Murphy was in? I think, like, I don't know. We were talking about it, and I said, it's like his, his career just seemed to nosedive. It was like he, he he had his... I don't know how involved he was in, like, the writing of, of his earlier films and stuff, but, I mean, he was a great stand-up comedian. You mm-hmm. know, he did Delirious and, and stuff like that, and they were they were really good stand-up comedy. And he, he actually inspired a lot of, like, uh, later uh, black comedians that we have now. Um, yeah. You know, some, of the, some of the really strong ones. Um, but then... There was just this point that he seemed to like kind of his live action just seemed to nosedive and never recovered from it. <laughs> and he just completely lost touch with like what's funny. Uh it's it's a shame. The the song he released sucked. What song was that? My girl wants to party all the time, party was that all Eddie the Murphy? time, party all the time. I didn't know that's that Eddie, was Eddie that's Eddie Murphy, Murphy yeah. Jeez, I, I kid you not. Yeah, he had a he had a, he, he released that as a song. There was a music video. Uh, Slick Rick was producing it, and they were all <laughs> acting like it was like the best thing of all time. And it's really not. It's like a really average song. Oh my god, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Anyway, should should we start the episode? Go on then. Yeah. <laughs> Twisted my arm. <laughs> And welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by your usual, or two of your usual hosts here, uh, Tom Mannering. Hello. And uh, myself, Josh Hartley. Uh, Tom, how how are we doing this week? I'm good. Yeah, I'm decent. Uh, I've been on a bit of a fitness kick uh, this week, so I've been using my my Fitbit uh, to Mm -hmm. get out and and get steps in every day, Uh, so my legs hurt. Um, <laughs> because I haven't really walked for what are we like twelve months, I guess. Yeah, we we are coming up on a year of lockdown. Yeah, I've kind of well, I've, not continuous lockdown. We're coming up on a year of the pandemic and life not being normal. Yeah. So, so in in my uh, my autobiography, when I describe this trial, <laughs> I will have kind of hold on, overcome... hold on, hold on. Before you continue, what's your autobiography called? Oh, I don't know. That's a tricky one. That is a tricky one. There's so many things it could could be, you know. Trial by. We will we will find a title by the end of the episode. Okay. Okay. Continue. Yeah, we'll see, see if it comes comes up. I was going to be like trial by, you know, moderation or something. <laughs> really, uh, <laughs> really do shit. Um, but yeah, so so in my my autobiography, I'll overcome that uh, that ordeal uh, of of being able to walk, you know, around my <laughs> around my neighbourhood. Uh, mm-hmm. But other than that. Uh, I've done a, a few games and things, which we'll, we'll maybe discuss later. Uh, and just been keeping busy, same as everyone else. Good, what about good, yourself? Good on you for for doing something to to be healthier, though. Uh, my my doing something to be healthier this year has been dieting. 
Okay. And uh, he says drinking a can of lager while we while we record this. I mean, you um, can you can diet and still drink with obviously with no not all not entirely, but within yeah. moderation. You know, you can still enjoy a, a tipple. Yeah, uh, and I've I've done all right. I've I've lost. Uh, yeah, I'll say this on the podcast. <laughs> I've lost, I've lost, I've lost fifteen pounds. That's really good. January. Yeah, that's really good. Don't I'm, do yourself a disservice. I'm, and I'm wearing a jumper that I didn't used to fit into, so you know, it's I'm I'm I'm, I'm pretty chuffed. I'm pretty so chuffed. I I will tell you a I'll tell you a, an embarrassing but slightly funny story uh, right. on the reverse of that. So I I recently had an interview uh, and uh, I haven't put on a shirt for well over a year mm-hmm. um and i this interview is coming up and i didn't do any sort of prep clothing wise because why would you uh but i grabbed my shirts i took them in the wash washed them took them out ironed them and then on the day of the interview i i sort of put the first shirt on and couldn't button it up so I was like, okay, well, that one, that's a smaller shirt. That's fine. I put that to okay. one side, took the next shirt on, sort of buttoned it like halfway down. And it was like, okay, well, that one, you know, that's that's an older one as well. That's fine. Gone to like the second to last one. Couldn't button that one up. was like almost in tears. Like, oh, God. Oh, no, buddy. <laughs> and I got lucky. Like I got, I got to the last one and it was fine. Like it was a, it was an appropriate mm-hmm. size. Um, they were they were more probably ambitious shirts, I would say, from when I was a, a skinnier fella that I could probably still have, have fit into. Okay. But now, uh, you know, 12 months into lockdown, I haven't looked after myself, you know, in, in that. I, my focus was more on, let's just get through this. And if, it, if it's an extra pizza to get through it, it's an extra pizza. Do you know you what? Know? Actually, damn right. Like, yeah. just do, do, guys, do what you've got to do to cope. Because this is... The, the whole situation is rubbish. Do what it's, you've got to do to cope, in, but ordering some some larger shirts. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane that it's been going on for a year now. That's the name of my autobiography. Do what you've got to do to cope, <laughs> but ordering some extra shirts. I, 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 I didn't think we'd stumble upon it that quickly, but there we go. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um yeah, how have I been? I, I I said, as I said before we started recording, I have been. I was in a stinker of a mood earlier today, but it's greatly improved now. I basically, I, I had a very rude customer, and like, I'd like to think that all our listeners are nice, decent people. But just as a little public service announcement, guys, even if you're frustrated at the company that you're dealing with, like. Don't don't be nasty to the person that you're speaking to because it's not their it's probably not their fault and even if it is their fault like just be polite like it's not much to ask. Do you um, think maybe he does listen to the show and he's he's sort of heard me beating down on you and he's like I want I want a piece of that. <laughs> <laughs> Trying you down. I doubt it. But there's a chance. <laughs> I can't deny that. Not ruling um, it out. Yeah. Otherwise, I've been all right, and we're, we're going to have a chat about like what we've been up to, um, what we've been up to this week, gaming-wise and hobby-wise. Um, it's occurred to me there is a little bit of news that you posted in our little, uh, our internal group chat last night. There's a new role-playing game announced. 
Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Yeah, so um, they have announced a Terminator, uh, an RPG set in the Terminator universe, um, which is interesting, I will say. It's a Kickstarter, unsurprisingly. Mm. Uh, <laughs> he says with faint praise. <laughs> um, the company that are doing it uh, are called Nightfall Games. Um, who I've never heard of, to be completely honest. Uh, I will say the the art on the the front of the book, if that is the the final art, is quite nice. Uh, and no, there's some the interesting classic, like T one thousand, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. And there's some interesting ideas in it. In that kind of uh, you can play it at, like different points in the the Terminator chronology. Uh, probably before the films got shit would be my choice. Uh, but so, so Terminator is one or two. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Between those two, as your sweet yeah. spot. Um, but no, it's. I always get a bit, a bit antsy with IP games, um, especially like I have to consider: is this really going to lend itself very well to an RPG, and, and what opportunities are there here? Yeah, and I think Terminator could function as a one shot, maybe even as a a very you know brief campaign, but like. Are you going to get a sprawling narrative out of that? You know, they they can't even get the films in sprawling narratives. So. Yeah, I because this, my thoughts were exactly the same, right? So like, like here's here's my question: who who are we playing, right? Hmm. Are we playing the person being hunted by the Terminator? Which, as you say, I think would be a really cool one shot. Mm-hmm. Um, or are we playing the Terminator, the T one thousand, where you're just killing everything? Like no problem, yeah. like uh, the the prior sounds better than you know the former, but yeah. I, I think the prior doesn't have that much legs on it really. It, it brings up an interesting point because there has recently been uh, an Alien RPG released, mm-hmm. uh, and it's getting praise. Like uh, every sort of um, reviewer and thing that I follow. Are really praising this system and really praising this game, and it, it like it looks great. The productivity, the, the yeah. productivity, the production quality on it is amazing, um, and they've done a really good job kind of tying it together and making it feel thematic from what I've seen from like the rules system. But even then, I'm looking at it going, like maybe a few games, but here's the here's the thing with that setting though there are multiple adversaries that you can have it's not the uh, the aliens are not the only adversaries no. right you you've got you you see it in like the, the the films but you've got people who are like trying to steer the crew into the situation for ulterior motives mm-hmm. like the, the, for whatever mad reason they're wanting to try and like capture xenomorphs and the the the, the the like so i think there's a lot more narrative space for an rpg mm-hmm. no i would agree with that i think I, I think it is certainly better suited and they do one thing they do have to do with the alien rpg that i do really like is they have two different modes of play to it maybe even three but definitely two one which is this is designed for one shots yeah and one which is designed for for campaign play and i think there's like agenda cards as well where you actually have an agenda within the uh, so the you RPG. could be you could you could be the bishop trying to yeah. like deliberately get a 
get the ship to to pick up a sample of this alien. Well, one of the ones I I watched, I watched like a let's play type thing of it, and mm. one of the players had the synthesoid uh, card, and basically like he he flips it and like he he reveals that he's actually an android, uh, mm. and he but like. They're not necessarily. They don't necessarily have like bad agendas. I think sometimes they can have good agendas as well. Um, yeah. Which I quite, I, I quite like that. That's sort of a, a merging of the sort of hidden traitor games with an RPG, um, and that's not a bad idea. Um, it's good. It's good to. It's good to give your character a bit of a direction, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, definitely. Uh, and we've discussed before. You know, players having secrets in in games can add to the the game as well mm. uh but yeah it's it is a it's a weird one like terminate is just like okay fair enough there's a couple of different terminators now that you could probably draw on and but they're, they're all kind of the same thing they're I, all I, just killing I, machines like, right I, I like i'm we're gonna have we're gonna have some terminator fan possibly my buddy chris i don't know if he if he listens to this but my buddy Chris lo- like uh, loves the Terminator films, okay. but like we'll have oh oh the the T one thousand is uh, so different from the whatever. They're all the same kind like profile of character. They are all mm. the soulless like killing machine. Yeah, that a, a unstoppable killing machine as well. I should say, like the, some are more unstoppable than others, but they mm-hmm. they kind of fill the same role. Yeah, no, I, I get you, and I suppose like yeah, you could, you've obviously could have run-ins with the police as well, you know, and uh, uh, there could be some corrupt humans in there, I suppose as well. Um, I mean, I don't know, maybe it feels maybe like when there. we're getting to that stage, it feels like we're kind of clutching at straws a yeah. little. Yeah, definitely. But who knows? I mean, Nightfall Games, if you want to send me a copy of your uh, your role-playing game, <laughs> and I'll see if I can change my mind on it. But uh, yeah, at, at this point in time, how? How do you feel about the Terminator films in general? Um, I haven't seen all of them. Is is the honest truth? So I've seen obviously I've seen the first two. I've seen the they're third the only one. two you need to see. <laughs> yeah, I mean I've seen them multiple times. They are they're amazing films. I've seen yeah. the third one. I think I've seen I've seen the one that had the um oh, I can't remember her name now. The woman who played uh, the Queen of Dragons in Game of Thrones. Oh, I. Yeah, you can't. I know who you're talking about, but yeah, I'm (laughs) blanking on her name as well. This is terrible. Yeah, well, I've seen the one that has her in and has Arnold in as well. And that was fine. Like, it wasn't great, but it was fine. I watched it. Uh, I haven't seen the one that doesn't have, like, Arnold in at all, beyond, like, maybe a brief cameo. I haven't seen Dark Fate. Um,. Yeah, they just kind of they drop the ball with it a bit, uh, I think, and they're they're just flogging a dead horse. What about you? I think they should have just left it too. Like the second the, the second one is an example of like a sequel for me anyway, a sequel that is better than the original, mm-hmm. and I would say the second best action film of all time. What is the best action film of all time? Die Hard. Okay, that's a fair choice. Yeah, uh, I think. Weirdly, mentioning that, I think Alien and Aliens is arguably one of the... I prefer Aliens to Alien. 
I think they, it's uh, yeah, I I think the, the the funny thing with those films is they're totally extremely different. Yeah, because one's like, like a horror and one's more an action. Yeah. Like, so like I I love both of them. Yeah. <laughs> like they're both great films. Um, I couldn't pick between the two. I think if I if 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 you had a gun against my head, I'd probably go with the first one. But like the second one's excellent as well. And has who's this probably... guy putting guns to your head about films? I don't, I don't know, man. Sick son of a bitch. I don't know, man. But yeah, the um, the second one has the most iconic line in the entire series of "Get away from her, you bitch." Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, like... got, it's got lords as well. It's got like oh, it's game over, walls. man. <laughs> it's game over. <laughs> Anyway, this isn't the uh, Quoting Aliens podcast, although that's potentially our next podcast. We could turn it into that. I mean, I'd, I'd listen. <laughs> yeah. um, so back back on, on topic. Yeah, I don't know. I just Movie IPs always make me a bit edgy with role-playing games. It um, makes me not just role-playing games, like games in general. Yeah. Like, I think... Um, okay, let's think of a... Uh, tabletop game that has a uh will broaden it from movie to just other ip that works can you think of one i mean any ip at all like movies tv shows um oh comics yeah i was gonna say we got a ton (laughs) don't open that that kind of worms because i will i will come at you uh yeah I think movie and, and TV show tying games can be very challenging. Uh, I have seen a couple. Uh, the Game of Thrones board game was quite good. The yes. The Battlestar Galactica game is really Beloved. good. Beloved. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there are some out there, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, if you're listening, stick in the comments your favorite uh, tying games to movies. Oh, and you, you get driving you like listener engagement. Ooh, you're you're a just, pro now. Just, you're just pro. on it, man. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I think there are a few, but I think it's a, it's a difficult one. It's a bit like you know, there's that that notorious reputation of movie uh, tying games to computer games as well. That you know they're always just terrible. Um, that, done that as... stopped being a thing a little while ago. No, it has not, my friend. Well, I'll, I, I, okay, let me let me correct myself there. Um, that is less of a thing nowadays. It is less of a thing, but it is still a thing because it's a it's an easy cash grab for gaming studios. You you mm-hmm. get a really shoddy, quickly thrown out game. You stick a big movie that's coming out with a license on it. I mean, they did it with like Thor. When the first Thor came out, there's mm-hmm. a truly shocking game for that. Uh, Iron Man had the same. Uh, quite a few of the DC titles have had had some shockers on them over the years. Uh, these are all PlayStation 2 uh, games. Not all of them. Oh, apart from the notorious Superman 64. Superman 64. Uh, E.T. Atari. Mm, the, the first OG. of its kind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there have been some great ones, though, as well. Such as a lot of the Star Wars games. Okay, yeah, I will give you that. But also, Star Wars have had some absolute stinkers as well to to balance it out. Uh, okay, so we're neutral on Star Wars. Um, <laughs> uh, the first Alien versus Predator game was not even based on a movie at that time. It was based on a comic book, mm-hmm. based on two movies. But 
Yeah, Aliens the, the has alien... had some. Aliens had some really good ones. It's had some yeah. terrible ones because it had Colonial Marines, which was terrible. Mm-hmm. But then it had Isolation, which was also really good. Uh, so, yeah, it it is a tricky one uh, for sure. Um, Why do know. you think that is? I think because you're playing in someone else's ballpark. That's always what kind of. Yeah. I think like you are never going to have the same understanding and appreciation for something unless you were the creator of it, which I think Mm -hmm. is why when someone builds a board game and it's their IP or it's their world, they, they're going to, they're going to understand it. There's going to be passion behind it. If you look at something like, um, roots, uh, Mm -hmm. like that's, that's the, my understanding is that's the creator's world, right? Like that's all. Yes. 100%. 100%. So you can tell that. That is like a labor of love in that game. Even if you don't like how the game plays, it looks beautiful. It tells its own story. You know, it feels very... It all feels tied together in, in both how the game works and and the setting that it's played within. Whereas if you're trying to make, an, say, for example, an alien game, you you might have a vision of, of what you want your game to be. Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of pushing the alien IP into that to make it work. And I think that's where you, you tend to find the, the shoddier ones come out. Yeah, that's that's fair. I suppose, like, maybe maybe the best examples are, like, where the theme of the game... Uh, sorry, the, the theme of the movie fits, uh, fits the game naturally. Mm-hmm. Like, I think one of the... Because I thought of another video game that was really good was um, Jurassic Park. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was basically Theme Park Jurassic Park. I remember like, that, yeah. And that's great. Like, who doesn't want to build Jurassic Park and make sure it doesn't go wrong? Like, <laughs> I mean, you really want to make sure it does go wrong because that's where the fun is. There's a, there's a part, of, yeah. That, that's part and parcel for any of those games. Though. Like, if you're playing, like, SimCity, like, you build this massive city and then just go, ha-ha! Godzilla attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know. It's a strange one, isn't it? Like you, you need to be really careful when you're you're playing in someone else's park, and I think as well, you as a player go into it with an expectation. So I think mm-hmm. maybe that plays a part in it. You know, you you know what you would expect from a, a Terminator game, an Alien game, whatever it is, when you go into it, and then it doesn't deliver on that, uh, yeah. and you kind of like. Looking at oh, this is not what I wanted it to be. Is there an IP that you wish there was a proper game for? There have been games for some things that I've I've really liked IPs for, but they don't get as much love as I would like to see. So one thing I would actually really like to see, and I don't think it exists. If it does, it's passed me by somehow. I'd love mm-hmm. to see a really good star trek game like a board game right and it it seems kind of board game yeah i think there's several rpgs but i don't recall seeing a board game yeah like Um, i think especially in this day and age where there's so many different sort of takes on star trek you know they did they did wing commander right which is basically x-wing before fantasy flight got the their grubby hands on the star wars license but this is the thing right (laughs) star trek isn't a, a space combat game no, and, it's not. Yeah, that's, so many the, that's the weird that. thing. It's a game, it, it should, and the reason why I think it'd be a great board game if you could make it work, should be about exploration and diplomacy. And, you know, maybe maybe if you want, you could have some elements of 
of combat and subterfuge and, and things like that in there because uh, they have all been included. But I mean, like, there's so many, some of the best Star Trek stories told. I'm going to seem like such a trek here, and I'm really not. But so many, like, the Star Trek stories told are, are all about, like, you know, what, what makes, you know, what makes someone a good person, you mm. know, what, you know, what's the right thing to do, you know, the, the prime directive is always called on in, in episodes, um, and, you know, whether following rules is always the right thing to do, and, and you could build that into a game, you know, a morale-based uh, game, morality-based game, um, but I've not really seen it done. Even, like, Decipher did a, a, Star, a Star Trek card game back when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and, and me and my friends at the time played it religiously. Um, but we just used to, you used to build your own uh, sort of um, area of space. And the, the, the way the game was designed was you were supposed to go to these different worlds and do missions, which mm-hmm. might be like diplomacy and things like that. But the way we played it, we played it totally wrong because we used, used to just go down, put as many ships down, and then just mm-hmm. run around have big fleet battles and stuff. Um, which is the exact opposite of what I want a Star yeah, Trek game to be. Yeah, because that's not now. what Star Trek is at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, that's fair. Um, uh, the, the other idea I had was like a sort of management game of like, you know, managing the uh, SS Enterprise, you know. <laughs> like, the SS in- Enterprise. Oh, sorry. USS. Oh, USS. Right. I'm, I, I, right. You say you're not a Trekkie. I can count on one hand the number of episodes of Star Trek all series that I've watched. Missing out. I'm sure, I'm sure I am. But I, there's a lot of TV shows that people say that. Um, so You should you watch. Know, I'll add it to the list. You should. Um, there, the is list. A, there is a Star Trek role-playing game, uh, which I wouldn't mind actually running at some point in time, uh, that does look really interesting and does sort of focus predominantly on, on more of the as as it can easily do, you know, on the exploration and the, mm-hmm. the diplomacy side of things, um, which I think would be pretty cool, and it does lend itself really well to to it. An- yeah, well, this is it. Like I like I think I think it works really well for that because it isn't a high combat setting, mm-hmm. right? It's, and to tie uh, it back, I think that's what sort of this the difference between say a Terminator RPG and and Star Trek is one. There is a wealth of material to Star Trek. But two, there's so many different aspects to it. You know, there's exploration, diplomacy, mm-hmm. subterfuge, combat, you know, all these different things uh, that you can explore that, that you really just don't have that kind of scope. Plus, there's a wealth of alien races and planets and things like that, you know, that you can draw on. Um, that's where you've got potential for a role-playing game that you don't have with, with some other IPs, uh, yeah. unfortunately. Anyway... Anyway, what about you? What, what, uh, what, what <laughs> sort of talked over talked over you a bit there, as as I want to do on occasion? Um, what 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 have I been up to? No, I don't what know. Like, you, no, what oh, would you want as a same question? I forgot what the question was. What would I want as an IP? You, well, you created Ducktales for me, I so did. um, I kind of like. I think that would be my angle, though, that sort of vein. I think there's... Um... What am I trying to get at here? Like, the Saturday morning cartoon feel, I think, work would work well for an RPG. Okay. I don't really know off the top of my head any sort of official sources for that, right? 
Like, not really. No, I am a... aware of a My Little Pony RPG. We are not going to discuss that any further. I am aware of it. Um, but yeah, like I kind of think like something like a Ducktales or um, a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But then there's the problem of every, obviously everyone wants to just play as the Ninja Turtles, like. I don't know if you could make that setting broad enough where you could create your own mutants to to play in. Um, in fact, is mutants and masterminds like officially in that universe, or it, no. does it just fit naturally? No, mutants and masterminds are superhero RPG. Uh, you could right. certainly make the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with the the mutants and mastermind system, and, and with probably any superhero uh, RPG mm-hmm. system. Um, but they're not set in... They have their own setting, which is weird, <laughs> uh, to say the least, um, because it tries to encapsulate... It's a weird one, because it tries to encapsulate all the different generations of comic comic ages without actually using any existing IPs, and it's all their own made-up characters and things. Wow, okay. Uh, <laughs> which is ambitious, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, but it's also quite... Uh, Quite a lot to take in as a as a GM mm-hmm. if you're running in that same. Yeah, no, that's fair. But no, I, I like I I I would want to see a classic Saturday morning cartoon. Okay. Like, turned in not a specific one, but I think there's a gap in the sort of market. I naturally think Ducktales would be a great one, um, but other good examples would be Tintin. Uh, would Tintin would be great as an RPG. Would it? Is he not just a dude that travels around like it's high action? So there's is... adventure. There's investigation. You know. Yeah. Okay. Um, you could probably actually, you could probably actually fit Call of Cthulhu to Tintin and just remove a lot of the horror elements of it. <laughs> that is some messed up Tintin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, or like I, I. I don't know, like um, that that kind of tone and feel. Though. You. Do you know I what I mean? Sort like, of a, a more innocent adventure type thing. Kind of like where I I I get the challenge of it right. It's because death has to be a threat, mm-hmm. and death never or seldom happens in Saturday morning cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are a few systems, no big ones, unfortunately. Uh, I think there are a few systems out there that do cater to the kind of thing you're talking about, because I, mm-hmm. I did some some research into child friendly systems, both when I was prepping that that Ducktales game for you, mm-hmm. and uh, I, when I've run games for kids at conventions previously as well. Um, and I have kind of I have seen there are some systems out there that are designed to be a bit more family friendly and sort of take away the you know slay the monster type setting. But I, th- I don't think any have been well supported, and I don't think any have been fleshed out massively. But then again, if you're doing them with the intent that they are for a younger audience, you probably don't want too much to them either, because you don't want to overcomplicate them. You know, a kid's not going to flick through. Uh, well, I was a weird kid. I flicked through a lot of uh, source books, but uh, most kids uh, wouldn't sit and flick through. You know half a dozen source books mm-hmm. uh, to build their characters and things like that. But I think that's a good idea. And I think like 
I think especially like to draw on kind of DuckTales as an example, I think like a Disney Power Hour, like source like a rule book Holy and source book crap. would be that so would be cool. So good. Yeah, that yeah. like draws from like all the kind of like um, from DuckTales, Tailspin, yeah, uh, Darkwing Duck, Dale, Darkwing Duck, yeah. Like just cover the, the gamut. You can even pull in like just the general Disney you know, Mickey Mouse and co as well and throw them mm-hmm. in there for, for good measure. That would be great, especially for younger players uh, and, and Josh. Uh, be- <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 come on, come on. You would enjoy that too. I, I would, yeah, yeah, I probably would. I, I had fun with the, the DuckTales game, to be fair, so I can't, can't pretend I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. enjoy it. Um, there's something to be said for a bit of, a bit of innocent fun. Um, yeah. And I say that as someone who who is quite well known for running quite dark games, um, but every so often it's nice to just go a bit daft and uh, and take it easy. Yeah. So so yeah that so that would be my my wish. We'll we'll actually just say Ducktales or Duckverse. Okay. Duck uh, I think I think Duckverse is the official. I don't know if Disney acknowledges that name, but Duckverse encapsulates like Ducktales. Um, Tailspin, uh, Darkwing Duck, and Goof tr- uh, Goof Troop, because which they doesn't are make all... any sense. Like, why Goof Troop is and and Tailspin as well are part of that? That they, they have characters crossover. I yeah. haven't watched season three of Ducktales yet. I'm waiting for it to come on to Disney Plus. But apparently, Tail like the characters from Tailspin uh, are in it. Like, okay. apart from uh, Don Kanash, who is in. I'm I'm getting too deep into Ducktales here. Right, we need to change the subject like right now. Pronto. I like how you're sitting there, like I don't watch much TV. You know, I don't I don't watch Star Trek and Game of Thrones and all these things. You know, I don't have time to follow that. And you're like, well, the the canon Duck of Tales. the, the Ducktales. <laughs> um, no, I I get that. I think that would be cool. I would be down for that. And I think as well, a um, a, a Duckverse themed board game could be quite good fun as well. Uh, oh yeah, done, like a sort of adventure-based board game. Yeah, yeah like me. Sort With of minis. A, yeah, give yeah. give give us give us give us Scrooge McDuck as a mini. That would be right, amazing. That seems like a bit of a missed opportunity, really, to do a a really good sort of Ducktales Duckverse. And I, and I imagine again there has been a Ducktales board game, but I can't imagine it been been very good. No. Um, but like a good one, you know, where you've got like how cool would it be to have like a plastic like volcano or something. And you're kind of oh. you're going around it collecting treasures and stuff, oh, something like man. that. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be all over That'd that with like little little Huey, Dewey, and Louie and Launchpad McQuack and uh, yeah. Scrooge and uh, Nanny and uh, what's the the girl duck? Della. Uh, no, not Della's the mum. Uh, it is. Uh, oh, damn, I'm letting my. I can't think of her name. It's not Daisy, is it? Because Daisy's no. Donald's. Uh, it Ralph. is. Why is this gone from me? Um, it's just completely escaped my mind now. The... I'm not saying anything because I've seen if I've got to let you go silent so you can edit it so you look like you know it straight away. <laughs> Hang on. Google. Google. Duck. 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 Tales. Characters. Della. Della Duck. Della Duck's the mum. Is it? It's not the mum. It is. Webby, Webby Van der Quack. There we there go. We go. See, one. as soon as I heard the first name, I knew the surname. Right. 
<laughs> so yeah, I think you could do you could do great things with that. I don't know if what the uptake on something like that would be because you know a lot of people our age maybe don't and probably shouldn't share your enthusiasm for the the Ducktales universe. Hey, I, I right, I actually, I actually think. And I think this is the smart thing they did with the new DuckTales uh, TV show was they, they made it kid-friendly, but if you, are, if you watch DuckTales as a child and you are in your mid-30s now, you will really enjoy it. Right? It is really good. It's, it's far better than it deserves to be. I think we said as much on a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of fun watching it as research because uh, it's just got some crackers. Yeah, some quackers in there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh moving on. On um, on another note, um, we were going to have a chat about uh, some of the games we have been playing uh, recently yeah. online in a socially dis- dis- distanced fashion. Distanced, distanced I have fashion. Them in my shite. <laughs> <laughs> so we've um, we'll start with last night, shall we? We played uh, in Scott's Age of Sigmar game, which we mentioned yeah. uh, last episode. Um, but we continued that uh, with Ben, myself, and Josh, uh, and we're, we're still playing through Blood Tide, which is the first part mm-hmm. of uh, the campaign, uh, the pre-written camp- campaign that Scott's running for us. We came across quite a a weird encounter. I think it is a reasonable way to put we it. Got attacked by flying fish. Yeah, it was the like, first encounter not, of the session like, as well. Big, not big flying fish, just flying fish just jumping over the ship. Fish jumping over the ship. <laughs> sort of doing a little bit of damage and getting caught in the net. It was, it was a very strange opening combat for a module, and and to to Scott's credit, he ran it as well as he could. Um, Scott but, was having terrible technical difficulties oh, was, as well, yeah, which really just did not help. Fighting an uphill battle against Discord. Um, yeah, as I'm sure anyone who's who's had to use Discord on a regular basis will probably uh, sympathise with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was a real. Uh, it's a really weird encounter. I think that's that's one of the, with no disservice to to Scott or Age of Sigmar as a setting, Soulbound, it is one of the weirdest opening encounters I've seen in a a module. I, I, we technically did come across a kraken beforehand, but it felt a lot less. Um, it, that was more like roll some skill checks. Oh, you 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 got away, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, that one felt like more closer to like a proper combat, mm-hmm. but the the weird thing about it was because like you're probably listening and saying, "Oh, flying fish, that's probably going to be quite easy, right?" There was it was pretty difficult, <laughs> like, weirdly hard. Section. Yeah, like, like I actually got quite irate towards the end of it because like the the fish <laughs> and what, what I do think is quite a nice touch is that like you don't just cut the fish out the air they get caught in the rigging of the ship that you're on yeah and the intention is that you then climb up into the rigging and you pull the fish out and you have to try and get rid of them without getting bitten which is fine that's a nice little skill challenge thing to have in but like the difficulty for these like this just just climbing into ship rigging and pulling a fish out yeah it was just didn't feel like it matched at all yeah it was like it got me annoyed because I I don't like poorly written 
opening gambits because I think it, it sets a, a poor precedent for the rest of the adventure. And hopefully it's not the case in this instance, but like you I doubt it. If you're running at least my, my perception and I think a lot of GMs would agree with me on this, if you are running an adventure, you don't want your PCs to fail. You should want your PCs mm-hmm. to succeed. You want them to be challenged, but you want them to, to succeed. But I felt like some of those skill tests were designed to almost make to punish you quite harshly if you hadn't built your character in a very specific way. Yeah. Um, which none of us have because we're a three-person party that consists of two dwarves uh, and a eccentric, whimsical uh, pixie girl. Um, also a potential title for your autobiography. Good <laughs> <laughs> second runner. Um, yeah, it just it seemed very, very punishing. And I, I don't see a lot of parties having what they want you to have to deal with that because you need to have a very high perceptive skill. And then you need to have a very high, I want to say it's refl- uh, dexterity reflexes as well, which you might build into, but that's still only one player. And then you need to roll sixes. Yeah. I think I think that's the trouble. Like in a lot of circumstances, similar to that, you just need one person in the party to spot the thing, mm. to to do the 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 perception, and you need one part person in the party to be able to do the the dexterity thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, with the way that this was constructed, it, that had to be the same person. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even like one check clears the fish; it was a check per fish. Yeah, and there were like seven fish. <laughs> so you're making, and, and like Scott, to his credit, just hand waved it and was like, "You're wearing enough armor that this isn't going to damage you, so I'm not going to have you make all these checks." Which was a really good call on his part. Yes. Uh, because if he hadn't, I probably would have just flipped my keyboard uh, in, in rage. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really unfortunate design choice. And, and I hope, you know, they kind of learn from it and we don't see a lot of that in the, the rest of the adventure. Because you do want to feel like you've got a chance of succeeding in these kinds of checks uh, when you're rolling the- them. Overall, though, the, the tone of the adventure is pretty cool. We're, we're out on the open seas with this very un, very shady elf um, captain. I hesitate to use the word pirate, but... Uh, he is a <laughs> there pirate. There we go. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a neat setting and set up for, for the adventure. Um, it, was, it was just such a weird weird encounter that we had <laughs> like... yeah it was very very strange very I, like i think had i had i wrote that adventure i would have put a much more dynamic encounter in there i probably would have actually done the kraken later uh yeah as more of a set piece and i would have had the opening adventure you know I don't know the Age of Sigmar setting well enough to draw on a specific thing, but you know, it's some sort of sea, like smaller sea monsters, maybe crawl up onto the ship, or pirates, uh, or pirates. Like, you know, let's or... have some pirates try and board the ship, and, yeah. Like we just deal with them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something like, like something that, to know. warm us up. Yeah. I do wonder, like, whether they wrote this this campaign um, on the belief that players have already played a few adventures or not Mm. right i don't know what the best way of going about it is like do you know what i mean like whether 
whether they should be trying to write it, assuming that people have already had a crack at other adventures, or yeah. assuming that this is the first thing that they try in Soulbound. No, I get that, but I think you know they they must realise that this is going to be a lot of people's point of entry. Yeah. Okay. Because a lot yeah. of GMs are going to they'll either have waited or they'll now start running new games. I suppose it's a bit like um, The Curse of Strad, right? Like, that's probably shouldn't be your first adventure, but will commonly will be (laughs) because it's such a famous, iconic adventure path. Which, uh, funnily enough, uh, Curse of Strad has a notoriously bad and difficult opener as well. There we are. Because it has something called the Death House, which is a incredibly challenging uh, level 1 and level 2 adventure to to open you up into Curse of Strahd, which is admittedly a fairly punishing module anyway, because it's Ravenloft. But, uh, yeah, it's it's notoriously challenging. Uh, yeah. Which I just don't think is the way to go. Uh, you don't want to introduce people to a game or to a campaign and just beat them down, because you will... Yeah. You'll leave them demoralised out the gate. You know, you build you them up a bit, then... Then you beat them down. Yeah. You know, get their hopes up. Then crush them. The, the, it's much sweeter that way. It's more delicious. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I never experienced that from you, Tom. Never. Um, I mean, I've, I've not killed that many of your characters. Three to be fair, four. no. Um, two? Yeah. You're on two, right? Uh, no, because I killed... Uh, Black Tooth. Oh, three. Yeah, you Black three. Tooth, Ellard, and I killed Allen twice. <laughs> I forgot you killed him twice. To be yeah. fair, yeah. Uh, yeah, you did. So yeah, there you go. Uh, on the on the subject of of uh, games as well that uh, Josh and I have played in. So we've we've also been playing our uh, Star Wars: Edge of the Empire campaign. Yeah, we have. Uh, which is now been going on for a good bit of time actually the majority of of lockdown uh after we finished up up pathfinder i want to say maybe june last year june july june yeah so it might have been earlier than that yeah it was fairly early on we only did a few sessions of that online before we we moved over uh and we'd be doing edge of the empire and and we're now kind of i think people are finding their, their footing with the rules for that a bit because it does take some getting used to when you're used to uh, D20 systems. Um, and we've had uh, some some fun adventures. Uh, Josh's uh, R3 droid now has uh, multiple personalities because you have a another R2 droid mm. in your head. Uh, I will is, fix that eventually. <laughs> who is a, a devout uh, member of the Rebellion. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, to your credit, has has had some interesting RP moments. Oh yeah, in it. Um, and we're doing an adventure at the moment where we're kind of, uh, we're doing a bit bit of classic Star Wars because there's a there is someone in your party who's force sensitive, so we're learning a bit more about the Jedi. How have you? Uh, how have you been finding it? Really, I, I right. I, I I've been loving the campaign and I love the system, uh, just in general. Uh, I think it's a um, mechanically. I think it's pretty intuitive and easy to get your head around. Uh, 
which I like in general uh, for RPGs because it means that you have to put less effort into remembering how the rules work and just more effort into just having fun with the the experience of playing it. Yeah. So, um, and I, I, I love playing R3 as well. I keep saying it. He's possib- He's one of my favourite characters that I've ever created to, to play. I think right. you say that about every character, though. Like, every time you're playing a character, it's always your favourite character to play. What do you think my favourite character is? I I don't know, because, I, like, as I say, every character. So I remember when you were playing Julian back in your sort of... He was my first one. Yeah, so, he, he was he yeah. was your cherry, um, was Julian. and He, he was your favourite. You know, you, you loved playing Julian. Uh, and then you did Black Tooth, and you loved Black Tooth. Uh, all two sessions. All, all those two <laughs> sessions of Black Tooth. Then you did Ellard, and you really liked Ellard. Uh, then you did Holland, and you really liked Holland, and now you're playing R3. So I think your favourite is just whatever you're playing at that given time. It's right. Well, in all honesty, it's not like my fate. I think my favourite to play has been Holland. Like, oh, there you go. So, overall. So, so you do have a favourite, yeah. and it's not R3. Yeah. But I mean, it's not like, and and I don't mean this in in a disrespectful fashion, but it's not like you have a wealth of characters to to make a choice. No, like I, I, I yeah, you, you're right. I haven't, um, I haven't got like dozens and dozens of ca- different characters that I've played yeah. that I can go. There's, I, I mean, the, the, there's some of the characters that I've built. I built a gnome sorcerer for like Pathfinder Society that I tried for a couple of sessions, and it was alright, but. Um, was this not the one where you were like you were all built around illusions or and everything was immune and and the the adventure that i happened to play was all adversaries who were immune to that yeah (laughs) it's like well i am useless (laughs) that's that's just unfortunate i think that was yeah that was unfortunate that's that's the dice you roll when you're you're building a specific build like that though (laughs) it's like well, I'm going to be bad at this one particular thing. And let's hope uh, we don't have an entire session based around that. <laughs> Do you know what's weird, though? Like, So you're saying Oland, Oland's your favourite character. I'm sorry, I just sent Tom, my Tom's pencil. Tom's just dropped something. Uh, sent the pencil that was uh, keeping my hands busy flying across yeah. the room uh, in a moment of poor decision-making. There we go. Um, <laughs> so in, in the different characters that you've played, we're nothing if not professional here at Unlucky Frog. Uh, oh, yeah. Your two sort of, let's say two of your favourite characters are Orlan and R3, both of who are small and quite sassy. <laughs> says, says, that probably says something about you. I'm not sure maybe, what. Maybe, maybe. Um, I kind of, uh, it, it's a mode of character that i really enjoy though so someone who is maybe um there's maybe more to them uh than than you yeah. assume from no i was <laughs> deliberately not trying to quote transformers there thank you uh more to them than you would assume sure you know I like I I I I actually find like halflings like a really like compelling race to play in like for, the Forgotten Realms anyway. My other go-to is like half orc though, because that's always fun as well. I just get to put on a Cockney accent and act all dumb and strong. That's 
I think halflings are a great race in in pretty much any fantasy setting they exist in, mm-hmm. uh, except maybe Dark Sun, where they get a bit dark, funnily enough. Um, mm-hmm. But I think in like Forgotten Realms, uh, Warhammer Fantasy, you know, any sort of default D and D The Hobbits setting, in like Middle Earth, yeah, because they're just a bit innocent, you know. They're even when they're not innocent, you know, when they're they're sort of thieves or you know they're kind of the stereotypical halfling rogue. There's still mm-hmm. there's still sort of an innocence to them, um, and it is that you know they come across as non-threatening, but they can be, especially in in D and D and Pathfinder. We we've both played uh, a halfling ranger in different mm-hmm. settings, and Olin in both, was, bl- was bloody lethal. Yeah, in, <laughs> like... in both settings, I, and the halfling ranger I played in Pathfinder was exactly the same. You know, they were absolutely punishing, uh, tiny death machines. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is, it's a fun sort of, you know, juxtaposition from how they are perceived to to what they they actually present at that that stage. So they're not to be underestimated, um, which I think makes them fun to play. Because I will it, say this, right? Play, playing an Ardroid though is different in that. Let's face it, R three is useless in combat. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I built him knowing that. Like I built him like on the understanding that I'm gonna be amazing at these this sort of skill set that I'm gonna build into, mm-hmm. but everything else I'm gonna be okay at and then combat I'm gonna be awful. Yeah. Like And I mean and that, he has that in itself that in itself is interesting to play though. Yeah. And he has, you know, proven uh invaluable. Uh, with your ability to like hack computers and terminals and doors and things, you know, there's been so many times mechanics as that, well. That, yeah, and, that yeah. the party have needed that for for one reason or another, um, and you come through for them. Funnily enough, uh, more or less, I think you and you and Dave's pilot characters have had just this streak of more or less passing every essential check related to your field of expertise. I mean, Dave's have been. They're past comical now. How good his his starfire power da- is. Da- yeah, da- Dave's character Coro uh, is is teched into piloting, yeah. and he is the best pilot in the galaxy. I am quite confident in saying that now. Like the the episode <laughs> we just had, you, I got really excited because you messed up the the astrogation check to jump into mm. the orbit of a, a red star. And I, I looked at the table and I was like, right, they've messed up the astrogation check. So they're going to drop out of hyperspeed uh, into an asteroid field that's hurtling towards them with all this space debris in it as well. And it's like <laughs> such a hard piloting check to, to deal with it. And I was like, right, and I'm going to make it harder as well. And I used like uh, the dark side point mechanic to make it even harder for him. And I was like, I'm going to show you guys, like I'm going to show you how deadly this place that you've come to is. And he just... Not only did he pass the check, he passed it with a plum, uh, and yeah. like I, I said, like, no know, bother. Just he just <laughs> drops out of hyperspace and just weaving between these these asteroids. And we kind of, the way we described it was like he had one hand on the wheel and like kind of leaning back with like a cigarette in his mouth and his foot up <laughs> on the dashboard, just sort of weaving between all these these asteroids and uh, and space junk. And it's there's so many times he's done that, and it's it's infuriating for me. Because I can't, I'm not getting to present a challenge, but it's it's so good. Like you can't, you mm-hmm. can't hate it. 
uh, I think that's one thing I really like about the Star Wars system. It's so narrative. Um, yeah. It, the, the system they use, while it is unusual because it does put so much more onus on the players to to forge the narrative of their character, um, which can put a lot of players on the back foot. And I think it put a lot of your group on the back foot for the first few sessions because you yeah. just don't know, you know, in, in... What am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> like- Okay, so how do you use that to your advantage? And you're just like, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but once you kind of get get a bit of a feel for it, um, we've had some really really fun, really cool moments come out of it, and it it has become a system that's become pretty well liked for that reason because of the. I the for well. me, yeah, for me, it's um, it's up there with Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. I think I I think again this guy is back with the gun against my head demanding to know my favorite RPG. <laughs> this and lunatic. Like, yeah, I know. I need to lock my door. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I like the idea that there's a guy who, like lives across the hall from you and he just periodically yeah. comes into your house with a gun and gives you these really obscure decisions that you have to make. <laughs> yeah, he goes. I I I make the decision. He goes away, and I'm just like, you know, I really should call the police about this guy. <laughs> just a quiet Thursday night. Peace, you off spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> what is he uh, doing? Spike ball, spike ball. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it. Uh, gun against my head. It's Call of Cthulhu for yeah. me. I think that is my favorite like RPG that I've tried. But I think Star Wars is like up there, like. I really, really enjoy it. Like, just the fact that I love the Star Wars universe anyway. Yeah. Right? And it's the fact that it is this really cool, like, intuitive system. Like I said earlier, it's like, it. it's not too difficult to get your head around, so it means that you can put more effort into actually enjoying the storytelling process. Mm. Um, and, yeah, and having a bit of narrative control as a player is... It's different, but like really refreshing. Mm. You know, it it means I can, yeah, I can come up with these really cool ways that uh, that the the story pans out rather than having things happen to me. You know, gives you a bit more agency. Yeah, that's a good. Player thing. agency is always a good thing. It is me. very so. important, um, and I think that's that's probably a good place to to wrap up the episode. Do you think? Given given that you've uh, you're playing Overwatch in like two minutes, yeah, let's. Don't to rumble my personal life. <laughs> <laughs> no, Shame me in front of my friends. <laughs> to be to be to be fair, that is as good a time as any to, to wrap things up. So, uh, look, guys, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, take care. Bye. Bye.